So welcome back everybody. Uh, you're warmly received here. This is episode three of the Theology of the Body Network. Um, before we get started, as always, let's just start with a prayer. Father, over to you. Thank you, uh, Christine. Hello and good day, everybody. Uh, it's beautiful that you're joining us for another um, exciting, uh, in-depth look at the theology of the body. <laughs> so let's um, let's begin uh, with a prayer, as always, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you and we bless you. We thank you for this beautiful teaching of St. John Paul the Great that is promoting a culture of life, a culture of um, fertility, a culture of fecundity in our hearts and our minds, our bodies, our marriages, all our relationships. We pray for a receptivity and an openness to receive this beautiful teaching following the example and model of our Blessed Mother. We ask for the intercession of Saint Joseph, our beloved patron and of Saint John Paul the Great. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord, Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. And can I say, Christine, before we wade in here, do like and subscribe this video. Dear viewers and dear listeners, that helps us to spread this message a good number of you have done that, but um, it's really important, if you can, to like and subscribe and forward these videos on. So it's really uh, helping us to get this, this joyful and beautiful message out there. So thank you in advance for that. Okay, thank you, Father. Um, so we did promise that in episode three, we would actually get into the general audiences, into the catechesis themselves. So today we're just going to draw out some of the key points from audience one and audience two. And so the first question, I suppose, is where does John Paul II start with this mammoth task of theology of the body? And he actually begins with um, a scripture text, which is in Matthew and Mark. And I'll just read it out to you. This is where John Paul II opts to start his catechesis. He says, some Pharisees came to him to test him and asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? And he, Jesus answered them, have you not read that from the beginning, the creator created them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, unite with his wife and the two will become one flesh. So it is that they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined, let no man separate. Now the Pharisees objected and they said, why then did Moses order to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus answered them, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Now, there's, there's two things or several things to mention there. That, that text is absolutely dense in terms of theological meaning and um, profound insights into the union of man and woman. But the first thing to notice, and this is what John Paul II picks up on, is that Jesus emphasizes this word beginning, not just once, but twice. 
in the beginning, it was not so. In other words, there was a time before this when there was no divorce, when man and woman were married and there was no such thing as divorce. And the other thing to point out in Jesus' response is he doesn't just simply give them a yes, no answer. He actually responds to them in a way that means that they have to go away and do some work. And indeed, at the end of this audience, that's exactly what John Paul II invites all of us to do as well. And I think with this particular text, it's very easy to read it as one paragraph and not really understand how Jesus knitted that answer together. So I'm just going to go over it again, but this time I'm going to point out how Jesus has, has put that answer together for them. So he said, have you not read that from the beginning, the creator created them male and female? And that is a direct quote from Genesis 1, 27, the first page of the Bible. Jesus then unites that quote with a second quote, which is from Genesis 2, 24. That's where it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and unite with his wife and the two will become one flesh. So Jesus is pointing the Pharisees back to the scriptures that they would have known off by heart, back to the authority of Genesis, not just Genesis 1, but Genesis 2 as well. And Jesus is linking those two Genesis chapters together. But then even more than that, he adds the weight of his own words to unite those two passages. And Jesus in his own words says, so it's that they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined, let no man separate. So we have the authority of Genesis 1, the authority of Genesis 2, and then we have the authority of Jesus himself. And so what we have here in Nucleo, if you like, is the church's teaching on the indissolubility and the unity of marriage. From the words of the authority of Genesis, from the creator, reinforced by the words of Jesus himself. So it's a very interesting way, a very comprehensive way for Jesus to give that answer to the Pharisees. Um, we also see that the Pharisees are invoking Moses, aren't they? They're saying Moses permitted us to divorce, so why are you saying it's not so? But Jesus does more than that. He invokes the creator's original intention for man and woman, which is located in Genesis 1 and 2. So it's a really comprehensive answer that Jesus is giving. And John Paul II takes us through that because it's quite easy to gloss over it and not appreciate the contents of that passage quoted from Matthew 19. So he directs them back to Genesis 1 and 2 that they would have known by heart. He invokes not just Genesis, but he adds his own weight to the answer as well. And so Jesus is saying that in his response to the Pharisees, the normative situation is for a man and woman to be united in the eyes of God until death. So divorce was not permitted. Um, Father, is there anything else you want to add into that? Yeah, well, that's that's powerful, Christine. Yeah, beautiful summary. I mean, there's always so much we could say, isn't there? You know, so as you say, we're, we're right at the beginning of this um, first uh, triptych, if you like, this first panel um, of prehistory, you know. So um, the, the difficulty that we're experiencing, if you like, the burden 
that marriage is now is because of the situation of historical man. So that is our experience. That's the middle panel, if you like. That's the history that we know. Uh, and then there's before and after Christ. So Jesus, yeah, as you say, is framing this situation of marriage, you know, in God's original plan uh, prior to the fall, prior to that burden, you know, of um, original sin that we are all laboring under now. And I guess the good news is that Jesus and his message and his salvific act, you know, unlocks the grace for us after that event and the coming of the Holy Spirit to live more fully, you know, more perfectly and beautifully that original um, marriage, that original plan that God had. Um and so, yeah, there's so much, I guess, you know, I mean, even today, it's it's controversial to say that a marriage is between a man and a woman, you know, like, wow, that's a controversial statement now. But again, you know, Jesus is affirming this beautiful, this truth of um, marriage, you know, at the beginning of history, God created this, that we're all in a spousal union, and that that spousal union is between man and woman you know, and that difference and that complementarity is, as we'll see, you know, um, chiseled into our very bodies. Um, so there's beautiful and, you know, uh, yeah, wonderful sayings. And, and, you know, Jesus, he's being a little bit sarcastic here, I think. He's being a little bit edgy. He's saying, you know, have you not read, you know, to the Pharisees, like, wow, you know, it's sort of... Um, a little bit of edgy humor here, which which I like, which we like on this TRB podcast. So yeah, um, that's great. And also at the, end, at the end of that first catechesis, um, John Paul II says, um, considering all of this, we must put ourselves exactly in the position of Christ's interlocutors today. Yeah. So he's inviting all of us on this journey of theology of the body to yeah. stand in the place of the Pharisees and reflect on the beginning, on that yeah. moment before original sin, when everything was perfect and marriage was created and everything was in the order that God had intended it to be. So he's inviting all of us on this journey to yeah. be in the position of those interlocutors and meditate on what, what should have been and then how we are now to live as as you say, now that we're in that middle section of yeah. historical man. Yeah. And maybe it's also, it's good to say, Christine, that, you know, at the very beginning, John Paul II, in, in the first audience, you know, the first paragraph, he speaks about this upcoming synod that was to happen in the following year in Rome in, in 1980. Um, and that was the topic of... Um, you know, marriage. And so he's he partly has one eye on that. And he's saying that this teaching will really follow at a distance, he says. Um, you know, this uh this upcoming synod on this very important topic that in a sense reminds me that um You'll remember there was a letter from Sister Lucia, you know, the um, the 
principal visionary of uh, Fatima writing to, I think it's Archbishop Kafara who said that the final battle uh, will be over marriage and family. And so this is really the heart of this final battle. You know, it's marriage and family. And so Jesus uh, is giving this extended catechesis on marriage. And then, you know, John Paul II is really uh, giving us a further, you know, um, amplification, if you like, of that topic um, with all his learning and expertise. So it's it's a really rich um mine you know of uh powerful reflections for us on marriage today and and often answers many of our issues you know our issues that we struggle with you know in, in sort of contemporary uh culture yes, and then if we can yeah christine just um go on to then you know the uh audience too that the kind of the beautiful bit i wanted to draw out was um you know, uh, created in God's uh, image, man is created in his image, male and female. And so that is obviously we're different from the rest of creation. We have free will, this gift of free will. We have the um, this gift of self-determination. Um, we can, we're the only creatures who can offend God and disobey God. You know, no other creatures can. But this beautiful um, blessing but I think many people aren't aware that the first commandment of God to the human race in Genesis 1.28 is be fruitful and multiply. So just think of that. Uh, the first commandment of God to the man and the woman is be fruitful and multiply. So this life-giving, this procreative gift that we share with God, you know, as a reflection of the life-giving love of the Trinity, that is the first commandment. And when we disobey that, when we disobey that command to generate life, we begin to degenerate. Hello. And this is Western civilization for you. We are in the process of this enormous degeneration of our culture and civilization. And it is shocking. And it's because we are disobeying God you know, the populations of countries is just falling off the chart, you know. Countries in Europe, countries in Asia, you know, negative population growth. Um, and so these huge kind of like global issues, you know, can be traced back to this tight nucleus of teaching in the book of Genesis. So it's it's always so much to unpack, you know, in these um, these few paragraphs, and, and John Paul II helps us to do that very powerfully. Yeah, just to um, dive in there, Father, that's, um, there's a couple of things. One was the, the quote towards the end of Catechesis 2, where he says, being and good are convertible. Yes. And that ties into what you're saying about be fruitful and multiply, that yeah. to actually exist is good. Yes. So to be is good. So existence and good are convertible, which again is the foundation of the church's teaching on issues such as abortion and IVF and euthanasia, that just to be mm -hmm. is good. Existence is a good. Um, yeah. So that was one thing I wanted to say. 
And the other thing was he talks about, uh, and we, we spoke in one of the other episodes about the language that he uses, which may be obscure for some people, but he talks about the metaphysics mm-hmm. that is presented to us in um, Genesis 1. And, and in a sense, what he's saying there is that Genesis 1 gives us this objective notion of the human person that we're made in the image and likeness of God. Mm. And therefore, he talks about how we cannot just be reduced to the world. You cannot explain the human person just by mere biology, physics, chemistry, physiology, you know, psychotherapy. What you need, because we're made in the image and likeness of God, is a complete vision of the human person. Um, and I think we'll, we'll come on in our next episode to the subjective nature of the human person. But he references in that second catechesis the objective structure of the human person and the metaphysics of us being made in the image and likeness of God. Yeah, that's it, Christine. It's um, some really dense, you know, rich material. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's um, there's a little bit here on on one of my other big heroes, uh, Bernard Lonigan, and the um, the the uh, objectivity and subjectivity. So he says the uh, objectivity is the fruit of authentic subjectivity. Oh. <laughs> We'll maybe come to that, you know, there's not such a big, um, you know, discrepancy between those two. But yeah, it's, uh, it is a little bit dense there, the metaphysics that, you know, you explained well. So um, it's all good. It's all good. Wow. Okay, well, is there anything else that you want to say on Catechesis no. 1 and 2 at this point? No, I do Father? think so. Christine, it's, oh my word, the 20 minutes is flying by here. I can't believe it. It's really, yeah. I know, and we are uh, trying to be strict. Yeah. We're trying to keep it, yeah, brief. Yeah, so I've got to really cut down on my, my waffling. So um, <laughs> I don't think I have any more. I mean, there's so much more I could say and want to say, but, you know, we'll have to, I'll have to exercise a little bit of impulse control and, and wait till um you know the next uh the next installment but as we've said you know this whole text is a circular text and so we're going to yes. be going round and round and and probing deeper into all these notions of you know objectivity subjectivity metaphysics and all these topics that are covered uh, by john paul ii in theology of the body so all will become clear we're just bringing out a few little highlights as we go along um, but it will build as the series continues. Yeah. Okay. So, thank you, Father. Thank you, Christine. And, God bless you. Yeah. And we'll see you all again next time. And we're going to be exploring Catechesis three and four. So again, if you have time to read those <laughs> before the next episode, you'll find it really helpful. Um, I just want to say, if anyone has any questions at all. Um, then do feel free to either put them in the comments on YouTube um, or email us at tobnetworkuk at gmail.com. That's tobnetworkuk at gmail.com. And we'd be delighted to answer those for you. So, you know, feel free as we go along. If you have any questions, just jot us an email and we will get back to you. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Christine. Goodbye, everyone, and God bless. Thanks. God bless.